How you guys doing? Everybody good? Good. Awesome. Um, all right. So tran transparency moment. Just to be real honest with y'all, got to share something with you real quick. Y'all make me nervous. And I was like, why do I get so nervous in front of the college group? And then I realized, and you probably haven't realized this, but I realized this. I'm a lot older than you, right? And, uh, and, and sometimes it feels a little awkward. I realized probably the best I have for you is a dad joke at this point. Um, at the gym I go to over at 180, I've been going to that gym probably longer than most of you have been alive. And so a lot of the people who come there now are college students. I feel like I stick out like a sore thumb, right? Um, and uh, it's just pretty awkward. But the one thing I do want to say is I don't know really and truthfully what you're listening to right now. I don't know the latest social media things that are going on. Um, it's been a long time since I was your age. But this is what I do know. This is what I do know. That you have the same need that I have and we have the same need that every person since the fall of man has. And that is to be reconciled to God. That is to have our sin forgiven and be able to come into a relationship with God. And since the fall of man till now, God's been working that out through his son, Jesus. And I'm excited tonight to be able to talk to you more about that. I'm excited tonight that we can dive in. And as we answer this question, um, can I mess up God's will for my life? My prayer is that we would see even more clearly how God has made a way for us to be redeemed, to be reconciled, to be brought back into a relationship with himself. Because we've all made mistakes. We've all done things that have caused us to fall short of God's intent for our lives, for his glory. But God is so good and he's so great and he's so merciful that even when we do make mistakes, he's made a way for us to be reconciled to him. And so regardless of age, regardless of any of that, tonight we get to celebrate that and we get to open God's word and we get to dive in to his scripture and see the glory of Jesus in it. And so tonight we're going to answer this question of can I mess up God's will or God's plan for my life? If you look at Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to go through several scriptures. We're probably going to hit them pretty quick. Um, read four of them right now. Then I want us to pray and we'll get into the word. If you can't keep up with these, just write them down. Go back later and look at them. Um, but the first one is Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11. We're talking about God's will. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11, it says this, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Now over in Habakkuk chapter 2, that one's going to be a little harder to find. It's one of the minor prophets, small book right there towards the end of the Old Testament. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14, it says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Then you go over to Matthew back in the New Testament again. We're jumping all over. I realize this. Hopefully it's going to make sense to you in just a minute. Matthew chapter 28 verse 18. 
part of what we call the Great Commission. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. One more, Acts chapter 16. We're going to read verses 6 through 10. This is about a man by the name of Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament. Um, And when he receives this calling to go to a city, an area named Macedonia. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Messiah, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them, to, allow them to. Don't get lost in all these words. So they passed by Messiah and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for... Your word, it's truth, the power of it. God, would you use it today to open our eyes to see a little more clearly clearly how glorious you really are, how great your plan of salvation is. And God, reveal your will to us. Lord, I pray that you would teach us to walk in your will and God, rebuke us when we're out of it. Correct us back to it and train us not to leave it. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, a couple of quick questions. How many of you wish that you had a crystal ball and you could see the future? Anybody? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice to just be able to have like a crystal ball that you could see the future? Or maybe one that would just tell you what you needed to do in certain situations? Wouldn't that be awesome? And then you wouldn't have to guess at it. You wouldn't have to wonder. You wouldn't have to wonder what's going to happen next week, next year, whatever. Um, And because of that, because we wonder, we worry even, we become anxious about the future, there's a lot of times that we try to do things that would dictate what will happen in the future. Think about that. Most of these are superstitions, right? Anybody superstitious? Anybody got superstitions? So some of these things that we do, and and see if you, some of these you may have never heard of, but these are things I've, I've seen as in my 47 years of life, right? So one of those is wishing on an eyelash. Anybody ever done that? You know what that is? So you get like that random eyelash that falls and you see it and you, you just kind of make a wish and blow it, right? Anybody done that? So you familiar with that one? How about this one, twisting an apple stem and saying the ABCs because it tells you the first letter, right, of the person you're going to marry. Anybody done that? So I always wanted to marry, the, actually the girl that I married, her name is Susan. And so I'd just be like, A, B, C, D, F, G, A, G, S, and just rip it off. You know, kind of rigged the system. But how about, um, how about throwing change, pennies or something, into a fountain? Anybody ever done that and made a wish? Um, somebody was really clever, whoever owns the fountains, right? Like, hey, if you throw money in there, yeah. And then uh, how about blowing out birthday candles, right? You make a wish, blow out the candles. We, we kind of do that. And uh, superstitions, if you're an athlete, most likely you had some kind of superstition. Some of you, you wore the same underwear for every game, which is just gross. It didn't help you any 
but it's gross. And so we have these superstitions. We want to do things that try to help dictate the future because we don't know what's coming. Um, Some of the things we do, we try to determine what we should do in life. For example, we'll flip a coin. You got two options. You're like, all right, heads or tails. Heads, I'm going to do this. And you look at it and you're like, I don't like that one. So you do it again, right? And so we'll flip a coin. Um, Fortune cookies. You get your fortune cookie, right? Anybody ever played the lottery numbers in the fortune cookie? Anybody ever done that? Did you win? Probably not. No, me either. And so I don't play the lottery, by the way. But anyway, how about this one? How about, okay, if I make this shot, then she likes me. All right, if I make this shot. And, and so we do those kind of things to determine what we should do or maybe even what's going to happen. And here's the reason I think we put so much effort towards those things is that we have one life to live, right? We got one life. And, and, and we don't want to screw that up. I don't think most of us in here wake up and go, man, I hope I do the most dumb, stupid thing in my life and it ruins it forever today. That's not our goal when we wake up. And so we got this one life, and we don't want to screw it up, but we know we all make mistakes. And there's this inherent sense in us, inside every one of us, that tells us we have a purpose. And we don't want to mess up that purpose. There's some reason for me existing. There's something inside of us. Every person at some point in their life has wrestled with this thought, why am I here? But something tells us that we're here for something bigger than just existing, than just living 70 or 80 years and then just dying. There's something inside of us that tells us that. And there's a reason for that. The reason is that God has put that there. God has put it in you that you have a purpose, that he does have a plan. He does have a will for your life. I was having a conversation with a guy out here the other day, just bumped into him. Um, outside the church, and and I'm talking to him, and he tells me, he goes, well, I just want you to know that I plan on being dead by this time next year. I'm like, well, that's not a good attitude. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, God doesn't have a purpose for me anymore. He's like, no reason for me to exist. I have no point in being here. God's done with me. And I'm like, dude, that's not true. And I know he believes in, in God. I know he believes in Jesus. I know he believes the scripture is true. And I'm like, you are listening to the enemy. That does not come from God. And we talked for a while, and I got pretty bold with him in saying what you're believing and what you're saying to me right now is not true. And after that, it was like a light came on, and he began to realize again. And the next time I saw him, his whole countenance, the way he looked, everything was different. But I want you to understand tonight that you do have a purpose, and God does have a will or a plan for your life. You do have a reason for being here. And tonight, the question is, can I mess up that plan? Can I mess up that purpose? Can I destroy that? And I want to just go ahead and give you the answer. The answer is yes. So good luck. We'll see y'all next Wednesday night. The answer is yes. We can mess up God's plan our life. But I want to unpack that. I do want to unpack that for you because there's more to it than that. To understand the question of can I mess up God's will or God's plan for my life, we need to ask another question first. Some of this is going to be kind of academic, guys, because this is a pretty deep question, right? So just stick with me. It's important that we understand this. 
But the question we need to ask before we ask, can I mess up God's plan or will for my life is, what is God's plan or will for my life? Anybody ever thought about that? Have this conversation with more college students, especially at the gym for some reason, than anywhere else, than any other people. This is the one thing I get asked more than anything. What should I do about blank? What is God's plan for my life? What is God's will for my life? I wanna tell you there are three different aspects of God's will. The first one is his sovereign will. When we read Ephesians chapter one, and we looked at verse 11, it says that he works all things, let's get back to it. He says, according to the plan of him who works out everything in, the, in conformity with the purpose of his will. This is his sovereign will. Basically what this means is that God is ultimately in control of everything. He is completely sovereign. And I want you to understand that this is a good thing. This is an important thing. And we're gonna see why later. The second type of will or God's will is his revealed will. So these are the things that God has clearly revealed to us in scripture. There are a lot of these. There's, there's so many things that God has clearly revealed to us about his will in scripture that it, it would keep us busy forever just trying, to, just trying to do them or not do them all. But some examples are what we read in Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, where Jesus tells us to go into the world and make disciples. That's why we go to the Dominican Republic. It's why we go over uh, to Turkey like we're doing in June. It's why we do these things, go into the world. It's why we share the gospel with our classmates, with our neighbors. It's because Jesus has told us his will that we go into the world and make disciples. Go back to the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, things like do not murder, do not steal, those kinds of things. Go all the way back to Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, the very first chapter in verse 28. God says this, he says, be fruitful and multiply, speaking to man right as he's created him. He says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over it. It's part of his will. You look at 1 Thessalonians, this is one of the letters we read about the Apostle Paul in chapter 16 of the book of Acts. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church in Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians 4.3, it tells us that it is God's will that you be sanctified. So if you're a believer in Christ, what he's telling us is it is God's will that you grow into the image of Jesus. Not that you remain a baby Christian for your entire life, but that you grow up into the image of Christ. It also tells us in that same verse that it's not God's will for you to be sexually immoral. He says to avoid Sexual immorality, he defines in, in scripture, he defines relationships so much. Go to 1 Thessalonians, same letter, 5.18. He tells us to give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God that we would worship and give thanks. So this is his revealed will for us. Scripture is full of things that he reveals to us very clearly that are part of his will for us. The third one, and this can be the most challenging for a different reason, the third one is God's discerned will. Things that are not clearly spelled out in scripture. For example, where should I go to school? Any of y'all wrestle with that? Before you came to Georgia Southern, anybody wrestle? Some of y'all are just like, no, that's the only place I can get into. (laughs) Where should I go to school? 
Another question would be, who should I marry? Anybody ever thought about that? Yeah. What should my major be? Those are the questions that honestly tend to keep us up at night, right? Is what should I, what should I major in? Should I go this way? Should I go that way? And, and this discerned will of God is the one that typically troubles us the most. So here's the thing I would ask about is how do we discern that part of God's will? That's not specifically revealed to us in Scripture. The Scripture I read in Acts chapter 16, I read that because I want to use it somewhat as an example of discerning God's will for us. You go to Acts chapter 16 again. Verses 6 through 10, the apostle Paul, who was the greatest missionary the world has ever seen, he, he spread the gospel to the entire known world, and he didn't have Instagram, Snapchat, he had none of that. He didn't have an airplane, a vehicle, traveled by, by boat, by foot, and yet he, he spread the gospel to the entire known world. And he's going out, and he's sharing the gospel. The first thing I want you to see in this, in this passage is that Paul is doing what he knows God's sovereign will is, okay? He knows, we read Habakkuk 2.14, he knows that God has stated that through his sovereign will, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. He knew this is God's will, his sovereign will. He has declared that this will happen. You go on, you look at it, he, he knows that Jesus has told us to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. So what did he do? He spread the gospel to the entire known world. And we see that he understood that that was God's revealed will. This is what I want you to do. God just declared it in Habakkuk 2.14. He said, this will happen. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus said, go. You get to Acts 16, verse 6 through 10. And Paul is trying to go into Asia to preach the gospel. Why is he doing that? Because he knows that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. He knows that God has revealed to us through Jesus' words that we're to go into all nations and make disciples. And so he's doing what he knows. But then he starts to go into Asia, and it says he was prohibited by the Spirit. Now, is that clearly in Scripture? There's nowhere in Scripture that it clearly says, Paul, you're not to go into Asia. But Paul discerned it through the Spirit speaking to him. He started to go into another area. Spirit said, don't go there. That night he went to bed. He had a vision of a man in an area called Macedonia calling him and saying, Paul, we need you to come here. Paul gets up in the middle of the night and he goes there immediately and begins to preach the gospel and plant churches again. I want you to see that as just an example of discerning God's will. I want to kind of lay out for you the three things that are most important for you in discerning God's will for your life. In this discerned will of God, here's the three things that are the most important for you to consider. The first one is God's word. God's word. God's word will guide you. The Bible said it is like a lamp unto your feet. Now, a lamp doesn't show you, you know, a mile ahead. It's not like headlights that just point down the, the path or the road. It shows you what's right in front of you. 
says God's word is like a lamp unto your feet. It'll show you the right direction. I've got a couple of, of dogs that um, are, I use to track wounded deer. Like people shoot a deer, they can't find it. I'll take my dogs out there. They'll go find the deer. And this guy calls me from Vidalia one day, outside Vidalia. And I go over. It's like 10, 11 o'clock at night by this time. Put the dogs on the deer. We get in there. Um, he's getting tired, so I'm going to walk him back out to the truck. And we're walking out to the truck. And he looks, and he goes, we're going the wrong way. He says, see that light over there? That's where we're supposed to be going. That's so-and-so's house. We're supposed to be going over there. And I've got my GPS. I'm looking at my like, trucks that way. He's like, no, we got to go this way. I said, I tell you what, you go that way. I'm going this way. Because I knew the GPS was telling me the right way. And for you, you need to understand God's word will direct you. It will be a lamp unto your feet. Paul was doing what God had already said to do in his word, what Jesus had already spoken. And so God's word is important. If you look at Romans, the book of Romans, another letter that the apostle Paul wrote, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. He's saying, don't be conformed to the pattern. Don't think like the world. Don't see like the world, but be transformed as your mind is renewed through God's word. The more your mind is renewed through God's word, the more you do his revealed will and your mind is transformed by his revealed will, the easier it will be to discern God's will. Does that make sense? And when my mind begins to be transformed, when I begin to think like God, it's easier for me to discern what God wants me to do. The second one is prayer. James 1.5 tells us that if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask God. It says he gives wisdom generously. He pours it out. So it's prayer. We pray. We come to God's word and we discern through his word what his heart is. We get the mind of God as our minds are transformed. And then we pray. The third one is this, seek wise counsel. Proverbs 15, tells us that plans don't succeed because of a lack of counsel. But it, we have the presence of many advisors. Those plans do succeed. We all need people around us, people who are wise. I would tell you this, you need to be surrounded by people who love God, who pursue God, and who love you, people you trust. And it needs to be um, that they love God, they pursue God, they hear the Lord, and you trust them. Every one of us need people in our lives that we can go to when we feel like the Lord is leading us or when we're trying to discern what God's telling us. We need people in our lives that we can go to. It's why community in the church is so important. It's why we need other believers with us. Is in that we can help discern what God's telling us. I want to give you a good example of how this worked out in my life. In fact, you sitting here right now is because of discerning God's will. So when I was 33 years old, on my 33rd birthday, October 7th, um, my birthday is October, so y'all send me a card next year, um, present, whatever. Um, but my 33rd birthday, been through kind of a rough church experience, 
I'm by myself about three miles from any other human being, sitting on a cab, porch of a cabin, and I'm reading God's Word, and I come to 1 Samuel chapter 10. This is an Old Testament book. And in 1 Samuel chapter 10, a man by the name of Samuel is speaking to a man by the name of Saul. Saul was to become the first king of Israel. And as I'm reading this, I get to this one passage that says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be changed into a different person. And when that happens, do all your hand finds to do, for God is with you. And when I read that, it went off in my heart just like this, that God was saying, do what your hand finds to do. Do what's in your heart. So I began to pray. And I began to tell the Lord, God, I don't want to do what I want to do. I want to do what you want me to do. And this is what I felt the Lord impressed on my heart. I've shaped and molded your dream to become my dream. Now do your dream because it's no longer yours, it is mine. Look into your heart and do all that your hand finds to do. And as I looked into my heart, this is what I saw. I couldn't have fathomed that it would end up this way. God's done it exceedingly abundantly more we could ever think or imagine. But here's the thing I can tell you, it was a church in Statesboro. And so I'm sitting there thinking about this and I'm pondering this and my phone rings. I look down, it's a friend of mine. I answer it, he says, what you doing? I said, believe it or not, man, I know this sounds crazy, but I feel like God is speaking to me about planting a church and out of his mouth comes these words, I've been waiting on you. He said, God's already told me that, when you wanna start? And he's confirming what God had put in my heart. And I just want you to see like this real life example where God shows me through, do what your hand finds to do. I begin to pray about that. He begins to refine that a little more. And then through a friend, he confirms it. And then I would speak to other people and just confirmation after confirmation. And so we need God's word. We need prayer. We need wise counsel. So listen to this. So the challenge with God's revealed will is doing it. Those things God revealed in scripture, the challenge is doing it. The challenge with God's discerned will is not just doing it, it's figuring out what I'm supposed to do. And here's the problem with both, okay? If I lost you, listen up. Here's the problem with both. None of us are perfect. Anybody realize that? None of us are perfect. None of us live out God's will perfectly. No one. Just as Romans tells us in three, uh, chapter 3, verse 23, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us live it out perfectly. So in that regard, we've all messed up God's will for our lives. Every single one of us. We have messed up God's plan. We've fallen short. And here's the thing. Even though God is completely sovereign, our choices have real consequences. And understand this, as you're growing in your relationship with God, you've gotta leave some room for mystery. His ways are not our ways. We, we're never gonna fully understand him. How does his sovereignty and my free will work? I can't explain all of that, but I know that they do. And so, his sovereignty and my free will, they're working. My choices have consequences and, and they change things. And this doesn't diminish his sovereignty. It shows how big it is. And here's the thing I want you to hear. We as Christians will be held accountable for what we've done. 
good and bad. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.10. It says, sorry, wrong passage. 2 Corinthians 5.10. Same guy, Paul. He says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Here's the reality. We will all stand before Jesus and give account for the things we've done, good or bad. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Same guy, Paul, writing. If anyone builds on this foundation, Paul's talking about the gospel that he had preached to this church. Using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Here's the thing I want you to see, two things. One is we will stand before Christ and give account for the things we've done. Those things will either give us a reward or not. It is a place of reward when we stand as believers before Jesus. I want to be very clear about this. I'm not talking about salvation. What I'm talking about here is reward. There will be another judgment that those who have not accepted Christ will be turned away. They'll be cast out from God's presence. But for us who are believers, we will stand and give account for what we have done. The good and the bad. Now here's the thing. Does that kind of scare anybody? To think about that, like standing before Jesus and like your life's playing like a video. I know that's like, I don't want you to put my life up here, especially before Christ. Like when I was your, mm, nah. One of the things I'm most grateful for is we did not have cell phones when I was your age. But nobody wants that played, right? Nobody wants that. Because here's why. We've all made mistakes. Here's why. We all have regrets. You might have a regret about what you've done, about parts of your life. We've all got regrets. Every single person in this room the guy we've read so much of, the Apostle Paul, he had regrets. The Apostle Paul, before he became a Christian, he persecuted the church. What I mean by that is he went and he arrested Christians. He even consented to the killing of Christians. He would put them in jail, men and women. He would drag them off and put them in jail. And then he had this encounter with Jesus and it changed his entire life and his entire eternity. But here's the thing I would ask you. Do you think he had regrets? Do you think at night he might have laid there when it's silent and thought about the people that he had hurt and harmed? He had regrets. But I want to read you a passage, and this is where I believe we have to get to. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Same guy, Apostle Paul. He's the one writing this. Verse 13. He says this, 
Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He means all that God has for him. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says, I forget what's back there and I press on because I know God still has a plan and a purpose for me. I might have messed it up. I haven't lived it perfectly. I've made mistakes. I've zigged and I've zagged and I've gone all over the place. But this is what I know. He still has a plan for my life. Just like the guy I talked to out here, he still has a plan for your life. And you're gonna have regrets. And some of you are gonna feel like it's disqualified you. What I would encourage you to do is forget what is behind and press on towards Christ because he still has a purpose for your existence. Continue to walk this out. Continue to pursue him. I want you to understand this. Many times God will take our regrets and use them to place us in unique positions of influence. So you, you've made mistakes, you've, you've got regrets, but guess what? God can take that thing and give you a unique position of influence to speak into someone else's life who's had the same struggles and the same issues. Example for me is I've had these really bad bouts of depression. I struggled with that for years. And I don't wanna go back through some of that for anything. But you know what it's done? It's given me the ability to speak into people's lives who are challenged with depression, especially Christians. Because you know what? We're not supposed to be depressed. We're supposed to have the joy of the Lord. But depression's a real thing. You know what it's done? It's given me the ability to speak into people's lives and tell them, don't you quit, don't you give up. God's not done with you. And I know that because he's not done with me. God will take those things that you feel like are your flaws and the worst things in your life and he will redeem those things and he will use them to give you a unique position of influence. Don't you quit. Don't you give up on him because he's not giving up on you. We all have a purpose. We're still a part of his plan. We can still walk in God's will for our lives. And we all have hope. I want you to understand this. We all have hope. And here's why. Here's why. Because Jesus came and he lived out his father's will perfectly. In other words, he lived the life we haven't lived. He didn't fall short of the glory. In fact, he, in, he was the inhabitation of God's glory. He was a picture of what we were intended to be. And he came and lived this life that we couldn't live. And he fulfilled his father's will by going to the cross for us. In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is praying and he's so distraught, it says he, it's a little medical condition. He was so stressed and so anxious, he literally began to sweat drops of blood. And his prayer to the father was, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. What did he mean by the cup? The cup represented the cup of God's wrath. And Jesus is saying, Father, if there's some way we can do this where I don't have to take your wrath for all this sin, then can we do that? Yet God, I know this is why I came. 
and I'm submitting myself to you and I'm willing to go to the cross and I'm willing to take the sin of all of the world, not just the little sin, not because somebody gossiped, not because they told a little white lie, but every sin. And he went to the cross and God poured out the full wrath of his anger on sin and he poured it out upon Jesus. So much so the Bible tells us that the sky went dark. It tells us that the earth began to shake and it began to quake and it literally cracked open. It, it, it was the most phenomenal thing as God's wrath fell upon Christ. And it is at the cross that we see the full love of God and the full wrath of God on display. And in that moment, Jesus took the wrath so that we could be forgiven. He did what we couldn't do. You can never sacrifice enough to make yourself right with God. You know what you can do? You can accept the righteousness that God gives you. You can accept the right standing that Jesus offers you. That's it. Because he fulfilled the Father's will in a way that we never could. And I want you to hear this tonight. God's redemptive power is greater than our mistakes. I'm not telling you go out there and live any way you can. If you've tasted the goodness of God and you have experienced His grace, you wanna live for Him. His love will compel you to live for Him. But what I am telling you is that His redemptive power in Jesus Christ is greater than our mistakes. And here's our greatest hope, guys. I told you earlier that God's sovereign will, this fact that He is in control, all-powerful, all-knowing, He is omnipresent, He's everywhere, and he's, he's in control. I told you it would be important. And it's important because when we know that God is completely sovereign, and we can combine his sovereign will with his revealed will, what he shows us in scripture, and we come and we see the revealed promises he gives us, and we remember that he's sovereign, then we know 100% sure they're going to happen. And I wanna show you our greatest hope. It's, it's greater than, than, than this life that we have. It's greater than this body that we have. And it's in Revelation 21, as we get to the very end of this reconciliation story that God began all the way back in Genesis. It says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. In other words, he's going to make all things right. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down. Listen for these words are trustworthy and true. Why are they trustworthy and true? Because the one who is sovereign has made the promise. The one who is good has made the promise. The one who is faithful has made the promise. And this is what we know. Even through the trials and tribulation of this world, in the end, we win. 
and everything is made new. And the redemption is complete. But in the meantime, God has a plan for us. Have you messed up that plan? Yes. Is it irredeemable? No. Because God's power is greater than our mistakes. And here's what I want to do to close this out tonight. Two things. Maybe tonight you need someone to pray with you to discern God's will. We'd love to do that. To be able to pray with you in something you're trying to discern. For many of us, it may be this. This is the second thing. Maybe tonight is when you surrender to God's will. And here's what I would tell you. His will, His desire is that you would surrender to Him. That you would follow Him. That you would come into relationship with Him. That you would accept Him as your Savior and the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, that's step one. Step two is some of you realize I've gotten out of His will. I know I've veered off. Some of you, maybe you veered way off. Well, guess what? Let this be a time of correction. God, I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to you. What a great night to do that, right? So I want to pray. and They're playing. Why don't you come and let someone pray with you. Let someone pray for you. If you need to discern God's will, let us pray for you for wisdom. If you need to surrender to God's will, come and do that. Father, I thank you tonight that your redemptive power is so much greater than our mistakes, God. That you even take those regrets and those things we've struggled with. And God, you use them to give us these places of influence, to be able to speak your truth and share your love and be a part of your plan so I pray for tonight for each person here that's trying to discern what you want would you give them wisdom as your word says in James 1 5 you made a promise Lord and you said I would you would give us wisdom when we ask and so God tonight we ask for that God I thank you that tonight you call us if we've wandered away from your will you call us back Father, I pray that many would surrender their hearts to you to come back in line or maybe in line with you for the first time. Father, we thank you. Pray you'll work in our hearts even more. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name.